welcome Mike to Conversation Times. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure. So tell us a bit about yourself quickly. Give us a quick brief background about, I know. How brief is brief? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Start by just, I guess, like discuss... I don't really know, like this, you have, I've kept my mind so open to this conversation. Like, I know there's like a couple of recent things that have happened in British politics that we might mention later, but like, I wanted to keep this conversation really open, go on like random tangents. So, um, I know, I guess like what shaped, oh no, well, you're kind of, yeah, that's fair. What shaped? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh, what was I thinking? Um, so I can cut out these pauses. <laughs> no, it's fine. Okay, brief introduction to me. I would say that I'm a third culture adult. I, Which means? Good question. So you've got third culture kids, the kids that grew up outside of their home culture, and they've oh, yeah. probably moved around because their parents are expats or, or what have you. Well... I grew up in the country that I was born in, which is here in England, um, in a town called Beaconsfield. And then I went to university, and in 2008, I graduated from SOAS with a degree in economics and Chinese. SOAS is one of the more left-wing academic institutions in the country. Mm -hmm. I wasn't interested in politics at the time, but I got confronted with it because... Uh, the politics of school were incredibly different from the politics that I'd taken in as osmosis from my family. And I moved overseas. I got a job at KPMG in international tax in Amsterdam. I was there for two years. Uh, An office job is not my thing. I went to visit a friend in Beijing having quit my job not really knowing what my next steps were and decided to stay and six and a half years later I moved from Beijing to America so having lived in China for six and a half years and studied the language and modern history at university I have huge sympathies and respect for the CCP Mm -hmm. which is very controversial I then moved to uh northern california which even though california is a very liberal state where i was was a very entrenched republican stronghold without much of a voice in the american political system but with very strong views about uh capitalism freedom personal freedoms liberty and but also responsibility with that as well and that having just been in China and being sympathetic towards, I guess, the Chinese experiment, being confronted with those American views stretched me again. And and after being in California for three years, moved back to the UK, which is, it's sort of progressive Western Europe. Uh, I'd say it's a social welfare system with a free market that is... um, becoming a very entitled place and and I kind of often wonder you know who's actually gonna want to contribute to a system with a load of people just well uh, uh, with another system that drains and then creates debt for a future generation and so on Mm. that would be my 
I don't even know if that represents what I think, but a, a political introduction to who I may be. <laughs> I mean, that is definitely really interesting. Like, I think there's a lot that we can unpack. Um, but you're know, firstly, like, you're, me and Mike only met like a couple months ago. I'd known of Mike through you were seeing him, on, like his name on social media posts um, in some your know, groups we have in common. Um, and so when I met him I was like I know your name and it's probably because you posted some things that like I found was interesting and probably provoked thought essentially I guess it wasn't along those lines or like I was controversial or you you said actually yourself like I probably posted something controversial on social media um, and also just a quick note like if you can hear background noise music there's just a live event going on next door and we're also outdoors which is great like it's it's nice to actually record something outdoors and it's also nice to actually be in people finally because i think i actually initially started this podcast in the, uh right in the middle of the pandemic so it's good to see that things are starting to go back to normal and yeah but you're previously when we and mike met we only met briefly and like i remember him i remember him now like um mentioning that he'd got he's lived in china i was like that's gonna be a very interesting conversation to unpack at some point mm. um so I guess like um, let's start with China <laughs> because obviously the CCP which is the Chinese Communist Party is a very controversial organisation and I, I can probably understand some of like I know my personal like reflecting on what you've just said I guess is I can understand where you're coming from in terms of feeling sympathetic towards them and their ex- kind of experiment that they're doing because essentially they've been very effective at raising a lot of people in China out of um, poverty and like Ukraine is a middle class in China the, uh, but then, then you've got the downside of that of not having as much your freedom of expression uh, not just freedom of expression but freedom of thought and uh, opinions because um because criticism of the state counts against you and they have i don't know did they have the what's it called their like social score thing uh when you were there or was that after you were there the social score came out after i left shortly after i left so i've not experienced that so just for people who don't know like essentially china used this thing which is very much like i don't know if people are familiar with black mirror series i haven't actually watched any but i've heard of a few episodes like apparently there's one episode in there where people literally are given jobs based on their social score as well and basically china's started doing this so essentially you can you'll from what i've heard um from many people um you like if you you'll stay in line and you kind of work and like contribute to society and all that like according to the communist goals of your of the communist party in china your social score should stay like the same level or incrementally maybe increase but as soon as you you'll speak out negatively or there's any trace of like anti-ccp um it's your social score tends to then crash and then you're almost like ostracized from any good jobs that's what i've heard so far anyway i don't know if you've heard much i mean you probably still have connections in china don't you yeah surprisingly or unsurprisingly i should say uh given that the way i connect with people is through the internet now so it's very traceable by ai and all these things um no one's talked to me about the social score it's probably a taboo subject (laughs) yeah i bet it is i have no clue 
like any questioning of the system tends to be a bit of a taboo in China. Yeah. Um, and I mean, my personal view on it is is like it's be is like the the way their progress and their development of their society has been great to the point where they are now because they essentially what they've been able to do is just basically copy the technology of the West and then like you'll and just like make it a little bit more efficient and uh with some things well i mean i don't know if you're aware like one of the things like i like to look at is like what's happening infrastructurally around the world like i think china is now home to two-thirds of the world's high-speed rail um yeah. which like it's if it, as like someone who lives in the west and is a little bit uh what's the right word um just concerned by i guess the rising influence of china like i think you i genuinely do want to visit china one day and I, like as you i have a bit of a, a, uh some respect for the ccp um for what they've done um and i love like chinese people and like i just love culture so um i've lost my thought it's all right what you're talking about just, infrastructure. Yeah. One of the things that I noticed, and depending on the decision being made, it, it can be good, it can be really bad, is that when you've got a authoritarian government structure, when you say jump, people people jump. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a democratic um, system, if somebody says jump, they say why do i want to jump no no i'm not going to jump but if a jump's actually necessary you know like oh we want to build transport links and in the uk they'll say oh is there a great crested newt that lives within a kilometer of this proposed train line i'm sorry we can't do it there yeah whereas in china they're like a what no we don't care we need a train and so they build the train Mm -hmm. and it happens yeah and it's it's weird because despite how uh, i would think of the ccp and the chinese communist party like uh, um that's the same thing i guess cc <laughs> yeah anyway um how i think of them is that then what they, they they're not very progressive but they can be pragmatic to a certain degree um and we see that in the form where that yes they're a communist society and socialist society essentially and you might be able to correct me on like we can probably talk about like the difference between communism and socialism in a second um but um come back come back (laughs) um but yeah, so like they they so they've got that kind of structure where like pretty much everything is state owned. But then you have like international companies, and like you you kind of have this almost hybrid of um, like communism and capitalism almost in a way, because you've got like a lot of uh, your the state owns pretty much like has stakes in most businesses. Well, until recent in recent years, like there's a few odd companies that are, like have uh, from the West have actually managed to enter the Chinese market and you retain like the whole ownership of their company and their intellectual property which has been quite interesting that the Chinese have allowed that like Tesla is a good example of that yeah um, my understanding is that the essentials 
So utilities, infrastructure are going to be state-owned. Yeah. Because when you need something to work, the easiest way of making it work is relying on yourself to make it work. Hmm. When you are reliant upon another person that you can't control, then you can't guarantee that it's going to work. And if you're fearful that the other person's going to let you down, you know, then then you, you do it yourself. So I live on a farm right now. We're on a farm, so we've got donkeys. Mm. If If I need my donkey to live, then I'm going to keep it clean and keep it fed. Mm. They're the essentials for the donkey's existence. Um, now, petting the donkey, I can let somebody else do that. That that's okay. I don't have to be the sole person who pets the donkey, mm-hmm. right? But making sure that it gets fed, sure, I'll I'll make sure that I'm the only person who feeds it. Otherwise, I need to train somebody mm-hmm. because I need it fed exactly how I want it. Otherwise, it'll get overweight or it'll eat the wrong things and get sick. So I can become very controlling about that mm-hmm. out of my my fear that it won't get done right. But if I'm yeah, so that's the sort of like what 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 are the essentials? You know, I'm gonna mm-hmm. make sure that it gets fed. I'm gonna make sure that it's clean, that its poo gets cleared away, so it's not sleeping in its own poo and getting eaten by flies mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Um, but there are non. I need to speak up. Sorry, there there are non-essentials for a donkey um, that I can allow people to do. So. When you come to a society, the essentials, the essential provisions that a society needs, like people need to be able to, you know, move around. So, okay, all the transport, it's going to be state-owned, whereas in the UK it's privatised. People need to be warm. So we're going to make sure that, you know, oil and gas, electric, it's all state owned Mm -hmm. because then we're in control we make sure it happens if we if there are failures in those things then the people are gonna potentially revolt because they can't just vote for somebody else so the stakes are much higher when it comes to i'm your only government governmental representative Mm. it's either me or you have to chop off my head yeah whereas in the west it's like oh you did a bad job we're going to vote for the other guy. Mm. Yeah. And like, to a degree, bec- sorry. Well, I was going to say, but but there's a lot of a lot of the sort of non-essentials in society, which is actually the vast majority of society. I'd say it's privately owned mm-hmm. until it gets too big. Where in the West, it would remain private and shareholders would make their money. But then the government's probably going to be like, oh, wow, you, you have a huge influence on society, right? So now you need to partner with us or we can shut you down. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, um, I guess, like, one of the things that I see that's a positive in China is obviously because they have that consistency with just having the same people in government. And that means that they can do long-term planning. Mm. Whereas in the West, like, one of the criticisms of democracy is that, like, if you change government every four years, like, they're going to be motivated and encouraged to just bring short-term solutions which won't actually like benefit society long-term because they're only going to be in power short time and they want to get immediate solutions which will like impact people 
people's lives immediately so that people will vote for them again which those solutions aren't always necessarily the best solutions long term and actually long term that further down the line might cause issues yeah um so like i mean that's one of the things that i've thought about like a lot myself is like obviously like i'm not by no means like a fan of the chinese government but um i'd be more than willing to sit down and having a conversation with them i think that would be very very fascinating like could you imagine like interviewing like what's his name xi jinping or whatever is mm. that is that actually his xi jinping name? xi jinping yeah uh could you imagine sitting down and interviewing him like i think it would be very fascinating because like i don't know you'll to have like an open conversation which isn't actually censored would be very weird because like especially by chinese standards because like i don't think that would ever happen like it'd be amazing if it did but (laughs) um like i guess what i'm saying is one of the things is like i'm careful not to criticize china too much because like i do like uh, my personal view is is i want to influence people through conversation and just you're talking through and like kind of like debating like kind of figuring out the better ways of doing things um and whether that's like talking to a politician being like okay like what what are the potential solutions like in a certain situation um or certain like uh problem and like let's work around this and try and figure out the best solutions um and it would be really good for me you'll to sit down with some chinese officials like with the whole um Oh, I can never pronounce their name properly. Like, there's the the Uyghur, Uyghur Muslims. Mm-hmm. Uyghur, yeah, Uyghur, right. yeah. Oh, so right. Okay, cool. Uh, um, that whole situation with that, like, I would like strongly condemn what's been happening with that. Um, but like, it would be fascinating to just like, I don't know if your conversation would actually change people's mind, like minds, but. I don't know. It's just that's the kind of person I am. It's like I'd much rather sit down and like talk to people. Um, whether that's publicly or privately and just kind of be like this is not good like how can we change this sort of thing um but um and that's why i I, like love america like you're like you're a bit bit about my background uh just briefly is that you are rich i'm rich from south africa but grew up in the uk and then i was also in america for three years um and like a lot of my, well, especially the South, my South African background has shaped a lot of who I am and like people like my some of my heroes like Nelson Mandela um and yeah um uh, and I think like I just really value like especially like, the freedom you have in America and all, all all those kind of things and also like I think one of my biggest criticisms like I was saying earlier was that they're very good at like copying and kind of like I guess like maximizing the potential of current technologies and things but um in terms of innovation and actually thinking outside the box for new technologies as a result of having this very kind of almost like um society which controls their population's thoughts or tries to control and influence their population a lot you don't get as many people think outside the box because that's um discouraged because thinking outside the box can make them question the authority of the government which they don't want um and therefore like you have like in america you have a lot more innovation and newer technologies brewing um such like in the space industry and um with like many things like but 
it's not just obviously america like there's loads of other countries around the world that like uh doing a lot of innovation but we have to admit like the americans were the ones that got to the moon first um they they were the ones who created the plane quick note side note which is, i found this really fascinating the other day like it was just a really interesting thought that there were millions of people that were alive to see the wright brothers fly their first plane and then also see, see neil armstrong land on the moon like that's mm. such a big leap it's like only 66 years between the two events like since the moon landings you we haven't had like in terms of exploration around us like as a like your human your humanity we haven't really achieved much and that's due to space travel being so expensive back then um and continue to be fairly expensive um and it became less popular because i think you'll to uh for the government to be supporting that because you're in america well i mean it might have been financially expensive and might, it might yeah. be financially cheaper but but when you you know we're looking the way the world is having a, a focus on say you know carbon emissions it's, yeah i don't know if it's got any cheaper to be honest you yeah know, it's still true. a huge amount of fuel that is needed to launch a rocket yeah isn't it? like um but like on that subject of like that progress we yes we made a lot of progress like in terms of technology like in terms of computer chips and the internet which like you might not necessarily be as like visible like outer world experiences but like they're still like crazy advancements and it's you know it's very exciting you know, i love like thinking about like the future and like how exciting the future is going to be and like what we're going to be able to see in our lifetimes like and i'm i'm com- i'm confident that we'll see a colony set up on mars in our lifetimes in my wow. personal opinion but anyway just getting um back into like just, just briefly like mentioned on your point like i think it's in the whole carbon topic is definitely very interesting as well because i think yes it's very important but um that oh, i'm trying to remember this i was listening to have you heard of a guy called chris williamson no no um i came across him like through the podcasting uh not the podcasting world i know just listening to some interesting conversations online mm-hmm. um but apparently he was on was it love island or something like that many years ago, <laughs> i don't know a few years ago but now he does like really serious and deep depth like conversations with really intelligent people wonderful um and i'm like i just found him really interesting but he was talking to a guy i can't remember his name right now um who's kind of like in the middle of like the whole climate debate and he was like essentially saying that your yes co2 is uh, a tricky one but um um you're essentially if you look at like the the effects human humanity's having on the planet co2 emissions should be about the three or four on the list like like the farming industry is like a massive had a massive impact like the fishing industry needs to be looked at like and like a lot of sustainability like needs to it needs to be a multifaceted approach i guess that's what i'm saying mm. but let's just get back around to i guess china like and what we we're talking about like what we, did you want to say something about what we were talking about i guess like mm. well it's so interesting the social scoring thing that that we were talking about in in, in a way we've now got that in the west i've got a friend who was told if you don't conform to what we've decided needs to happen you lose your job Mm. i'm talking about the covid vaccine yeah and that's like oh hang on a minute i now don't have the freedom to make a well he could still choose do i want this thing put in my body or not Mm. but 
the stakes were made really, really high. Yeah. And I think in China, you've got artists like Ai Weiwei who they're like, yeah, I just want to speak out. If I don't speak out, then I don't feel alive. And so I'm going to speak out, say what I want. Um, I've made a personal decision to decide that everything that the Communist Party stands for is terrible. And so I'm going to speak out against them. And I know that that means house imprisonment, occasionally solitary confinement, and um, and all sorts. But it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And the majority of people probably don't think it's worth it. And so they might get shut down by it. But I don't think it's so much about um, speaking out against as what has China already achieved to create a society where they actually have no desire to speak out because they're not seeing problems. Yeah. And I don't mean they've been, they're like, they're not able to see problems. It's it's people have been mold shaped in a way where they don't see it. Mm. Um, I wish I could think of a parallel in the West, but it's kind of a question, how, like, Am I a product of my environment? Is it nature or nurture? Yeah. Almost. I mean, we've got the word brainwashing in English. It's actually, fr- it's, it's, it was actually Chinese first. She now. Yeah. It's a Chinese word. But it's really, it's a communist word. Mm. You know? Um, and it's, we're going to set up a, a worldview and give it to you. Mm-hmm. Rather than we're going to allow you to uh, think and question and grow your own worldview because if your worldview is different from the worldview we want you to have then we're not you're not going to be moving in the right direction to meet the goals which society think you should have oh by the way those goals are are, are set by us mm. yeah <laughs> but i kind of wonder if we don't have that in this country as well I think our media is so much more intelligent. Yeah. So we don't realize that actually, oh yeah, the reason why I think I should live my life this way, the values that I have, uh, what's, you know, how success is defined for my life isn't because of the society that I've grown up in. Mm. Now our media probably has to be a lot more intelligent because we have such a range of worldviews in our nation that, if we were as blatant as China, um, it would be really obvious. Oh my gosh, your media game sucks. Mm. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But in China, as a outsider, you look at their media and you're like, oh, seriously, that looks really dumb and contrived. How could that possibly be true? Why do you buy into that? And it's like, because a step before, um, not just in my education, but in my p- grandparents' education, this worldview was rigidly defined mm. and it's been passed on. And so I can have a really dumb media game. You'll, ne- you'll, you'll never know. Mm. You know. Yeah. That's, yeah, like, I mean, that's a really good point. Like, I've often thought about that as well, about how the media, like, in the West is, even though it's, like, independent and... I mean, that's, there's a whole conversation I could have, like, around that. Like, you, I personally think that, well, if if you look at, like, the, the 
comparison of like your China versus the West, like there's this almost like this battle and um, there's a book I still need to read. I can't remember what it's called. Um, something about um, five or seven degrees of warfare or something like that, essentially in how you're, we, we're, we're familiar with physical warfare from like the past, from World War One, World War Two, and then more recently like Vietnam, Afghanistan, all that. Um, but the reality is this warfare is also fought on a trade uh, front and an economic front and I hate to say it but like the world is in economic warfare and the West seems to be in economic warfare with China um, and there's almost like ideological warfare going on at the same time and it, doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the CCP like, I mean I've, it doesn't actually I don't I fully believe this actually that the CCP like are purposely trying to you're influencing the media in the West to create polarization within the West within politics to essentially weaken the West so that they can gain more power um, maybe that's like a little bit of a cynical world view of, of that um, that's just currently how I kind of see it and I like that's I would just wouldn't be surprised if it were or like someday in the future we kind of look back at history and be like this is how China like established itself well not just this this is just one aspect I guess I don't know yeah. if I agree with you fair enough go for it <laughs> no it's okay um one second <coughs> sorry uh I think that China cares about its own sovereignty Mm. and it cares about its own people being prosperous I don't think like they feel they need to be top dog in the world mm. um, I don't think they even want that to be perfectly honest they do want to be respected mm-hmm. by the other nations in a way where America maybe not right now but th- you know before I was born America was certainly esteemed mm. in the world Um Actually, I've heard it said it was since 9-11 that America hasn't been esteemed. Yeah. Or probably Vietnam. But um, the way they rebuilt Europe after World War II, they were certainly esteemed. Yeah. Um, And I I don't think China's wanting to take power or whatever. I do think there's an economic war going on. Um... And it's really saying we're so globalized and that we're so interlinked. And then um, there's this weird dynamic of fear. But it's like China would say, look, we just want our national sovereignty. So basically we want Taiwan to be ours. That's an interesting conversation. But that's a sovereign country in itself, Taiwan there, right? That's how it's seen. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying, I'm not going to get into the conversation of whether it's a sovereign, conversa- so- sovereign state or not. I'm just interested in, is China interested in more than that? Yeah. And, and, and so what are the repercussions? Because is there going to be a war between, say, China and the West? A physical yeah. war like World War One, World yeah. War Two? Reality is probably not because of the yeah. nuclear deterrence the, the stakes are well, way too high yeah well I would even say to the point of like well it wouldn't be in the interest of China or the West to even get into physical war because you're of 
China's manufacturing power of in like that's linked to the West and the trade between the, all all the West and China is so crucial to both the West and China's prosperity that I would be against both interest of that. So when it comes to an economic war, the the economic war looks like saying I'm not going to trade with you anymore. Yeah, and that's going to hurt you. Mm. Right. Yeah. And the question is. Will it actually hurt me if you stop trading with me? Yeah. And so the, th- the threat from the West is your economy goes down because we won't buy anything that you've been producing. Mm. Yeah. And the threat from China is... Well, here's all your free, like, Well, you're products. not going to have anything yeah. to consume if you stop buying from us. Mm. So... The interesting dynamic is it's really whose government falls first mm. if trade breaks down. Yeah, exactly. And like like we've both said, like I think that's just so that that is quite unlikely to happen. Um, and it's just like interesting, like I guess like how in general. I feel like the West like sees its people in its country, like all the people in this country that it represents. Whereas, I think your China is interesting because like it's almost like the they, uh, the government favors ethnic groups, if in a way. So there's like, so for example, the Uyghur Muslims. Technically, if you judge it by the Western standards, would be part of the Chinese people. Uh, yeah, they're well, Chinese even, citizens. Yeah, they're Chinese passport holders. Exactly. Oh, probably not Chinese passport holders they're Chinese citizens yes um despite them having vastly different cultures and like in the west you have different people groups within the same country um that have vastly different cultures whether they're immigrant you're they you're they're immigrants or native you have lived in the country for many generations yeah um I mean from South, um, being from South Africa like I'm from a country which is very di- diverse with different cultures and as a result, like I brought a beautiful blend of food, and we love our food, and I, I I just love that. And I guess like one of the things that it's just like interesting how China views the Uyghur Muslims almost as we need to make them Chinese rather than embrace their culture. And I think it's one of the it's it's that kind of thing. Whereas like in the West well i say the west like kind of like not and the ideals of the west or what the west used to be is, is we embrace like the diversity of your your people's like ideas culture and all that because that makes us stronger whereas i feel like in china as a result of this kind of this the the ccp like holding on to power and like doing all this development is they have to maintain this kind of front and if, if that makes sense like that there has to be this oneness in chinese identity and therefore any culture that's slightly different almost has to be integrated and you'll uh what's the right word i know made into chinese uh i was trying to, that's not even the correct word it's more almost like shaped into communist loyalists if that makes sense um yeah so not 
communists in the way we understand it yeah but as in our government the, the, the world view that is required by the chinese communist party isn't that the, the marxist idea of communism that you've got like sort of surf serfdom and you know, these stages and then you get to capitalism and then capitalism evolves into communism mm-hmm. that's not what they're going after they're going after do you believe that your government's aim is to make china great that your government's aim is um to get you out of poverty to see that you you're the nation that you should you, you're proud to be a part of is to prosper mm-hmm. yeah and and then will you give credit to the government for doing that yeah and if you've if your worldview has already been shaped for a couple of generations um to the point where you think yeah that's it that's it uh the history that we were subjected to was humiliation but now the communist party have come along and they're our our, our saviors if you like yeah then sure we're going to be for that and hey we're going to you know have our economic freedoms because chinese people one thing you can't get out of them is a desire for economic freedom oh yeah the very um materialism has become definitely a very entrenched in china if that makes sense i mean like in, in, in almost in any society it will happen once people are uplifted out of poverty they're like oh i'd like some more stuff well i, I think know, correctly, yeah. i mean people who like it always has been when you look at ancient civilization the discoveries that china have made mm-hmm. and the beauty in their artistry from yeah. thousands of years ago like that's that's amazing materialism yeah exactly you know so is there anything wrong with it yeah i i don't know yeah i, I i'm not going to put a judgment on it um and who doesn't like comfort yeah who doesn't like life to be just that bit easier mm-hmm you know that's that's kind of how we live our lives like i'm i grew up in suburbia and i got put down a career path of yeah become an accountant or an engineer you've got a job for life you've got security you can live in a middle class home your children can go to good schools and drive a nice car have a big house and and actually be completely unable to do anything for myself but i'll have the money to be able to pay somebody else who's practical enough to do something for me like mend a toilet paint a wall or do any of these things Mm. and then i hit my mid-30s and went as a kid i always wanted to make things with my hands i moved onto a farm and i built a chicken coop for chickens and honestly like it was really awkward building something for the first time Mm. i eventually did it but i had no clue how to do it Mm. you know i had to work it out bit by bit and and then you know my heating's in a uh, i have a a wood burning stove so i I needed to you know cut wood Mm. i'd never used an axe before it was really like incredibly gratifying and incredibly hard work and i realized after a couple of months uh, if it wasn't for being able to go to the supermarket i would have starved a long time ago but i might not have frozen to death you know Mm. (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh I'm learning practical skills in my 30s mm. that you know we don't have because we've become so comfortable. Yeah. Um that's a tangent but it's not a tangent from my point about China. People just want in comfort. But it's in their culture to 
to want to prosper i think yeah and there's nothing wrong with that yeah i guess like um and like i think i 100 percent agree that it's been great it's, it's been really good to see that the chinese have been able to lift so many people out of poverty to the point where they're like i want to prosper and like i can live more a more comfortable life um i think like the i guess the moral question comes more about like um who are like the people that are kind of like taking advantage of plus like I almost like what well, oppressing on purpose and like I guess that I'm just bringing it back to the uh, Uyghur Muslim yeah. kind of conversation and it's that's like it's it's almost like I can actually like get behind your know, some of the things clients trying because I've now got my train of thought back okay I don't see it as their, their aim isn't we're oppressing these people on purpose because it gives us some sort of benefit mm-hmm. it's will your worldview conform so that we can march together to what we believe success is mm-hmm. and the Uyghurs they are ethnically and culturally so different from the majority of China because yeah. China is not just Han Chinese and Uyghurs yeah yeah of course honestly Uyghurs are well. a small small minority in a huge country yeah but they just they're just sort of like unfortunately placed geographically that they happen to be within Chinese borders yeah because if they're outside of China's Chinese borders they'd be like your typical Central Asian yeah like Uzbekistan and Tajikistan Afghanistan or yeah. any of those but they've got a Muslim worldview and so they don't have a Chinese worldview. Yeah. And so they're not looking for their government to be their savior. Mm. And the government is saying, hang on a minute, to succeed in our nation, you need to see us like that. You need to believe the history of the Chinese people like that. And they're going, we've got our own sort of Turkic history going on. We didn't come from the Yangtze River Delta. We came from Central Asia. Yeah. It just doesn't fit for us as humans. Mm. But they're not trying to impress them in the way, uh, say, uh, during lockdown, I saw some um, documentaries on, on Netflix from an American, got a helicopter going over <laughs> the top, from an American perspective where they're like saying, no, <laughs> I was just, wait a moment. They're just keeping an eye on us. Yeah, exactly. You've got to be careful. <laughs> careful what you say next. <laughs> Where they're saying, oh, fundamentally, there is this systemic racism and they just want to incarcerate black people and re- and put us back into slavery. And so the war on narcotics was actually just a war on black men. Mm-hmm. And, and they built these incredible arguments. Sorry, was this like this I missed in the America? First yeah. Dur- yeah. Dur- during yeah, the yeah. lockdown, there were all these documentaries coming out. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I, I guess it you know it coincided with George Floyd but yeah. I think it was also independent of George Floyd mm-hmm. as well um, and they were saying like uh, is it the Reagan administration he went for a war on narcotics I think and so. they went they had harsh laws on incarceration like if you're incarcerated you lose your vote for life mm-hmm. uh, three strikes and you're out and so on and then the prison system was privatized and people who were in there well it wasn't just relying on the state to to pay you know you weren't just a burden on society because if you're a prisoner 
in the UK, mm-hmm. you're a burden on society, right? The yeah. taxpayer is going to pay for your um, your sustenance and your rehabilitation, mm-hmm. so that hopefully you can enter society again. Whereas in the American privatized prison system, you're no longer a burden on society. Mm-hmm somehow a private prison has to make itself pay and so you take a job and they Mm -hmm. profit from your labor Mm -hmm. so you basically become a modern day slave yeah and so there's this conspiracy that um segments of white america never wanted the black man to be free Mm -hmm. and so they found a way of re-enslaving him yeah okay china's not trying to do that with the uyghurs yeah they're just wanting them to peacefully get on board with their get vision. on board with their vision mm-hmm. and they're going oh wait your vision says i have to lie to myself about who i am mm-hmm. this is a really tricky one yeah but in the west do i not constantly have to lie to myself about who i am to to live a life yes well you you can correct me in wrong if i'm wrong on what you're trying to say in a second but like there's a difference between um i'm trying to um like living a lie i guess like on who you are or like kind of choosing like a different like uh you know, you have a different culture to the i guess like the government you're under or the mainstream or the main or the mainstream that's a good point like so yeah, I guess what you I get what you mean. So you, what you, you you're saying that like in the West, if you have a different cultural background to, to the mainstream in the West, you will oft like most people like that will often lie to themselves and go along with what the mainstream is saying, and kind of try and fit in with the mainstream. Is that what you're saying? I don't know. Yeah, I think you're getting there. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then you have. Um, Um, but that's like very different to like your if I get what, I, I can't understand what you're getting at like you we have the same problem in the west I guess as what they're facing with the the Uyghurs is that because their culture is so different um, in their same country like the Chinese are trying to like kind of impose their culture onto them but it's more like you. Know, I guess what I'm saying is, is the difference between the West, where people lie to themselves to fit in with the mainstream, and the Uyghur Muslims in China is, is like the Uyghur Muslims in China didn't choose out of their own free will to fit in with the mainstream of the country, and th- th- in a way they're being forced into fitting in with that. And I guess like you, know, if if for the sake of this like conversation, I guess like if I was the Chinese government, like. To try and get people on board my vision and uh, it's, it's tough because the, the chinese is, is like will say oh like you know, i re- you re-educate them uh, or you'll try and educate them a little bit more with like what the vision that you're trying to get them uh on board with will uh pr- provide them and i guess what you're trying to say is is that they're trying to get the wheels on board to say like hey like this way of life our way of life is actually going to be better for you um and I think it's just like that's all great, but my personal view is is your people have to be able to choose that for them, that like a better life for themselves. Otherwise, like you can end up like a lot of people in the West who 
kind of like live a life that seems like good from the outside but that internally actually they're lying to themselves who they you know, really are because they might be slightly different to I guess the mainstream view if that makes sense I sorry I don't know that's no, no, okay I, I've got I've got a, th- uh, a thought or a, an example I, and again I don't even know if the example fully articulates what I'm trying to say but I arrived back in the UK during the pandemic July 2020 mm-hmm. and I met up with a friend who was a, a nurse at for the NHS but not working in a hospital she would go and do home visits <coughs> and she um, realised that actually there were a lot of social ills in society mm-hmm. that by going and visiting somebody's home she was fully exposed to and it was quite horrific mm-hmm. um and in places which you would never expect it. So in middle-class Beaconsfield, because people had been locked down together, wives had discovered that their husbands who had good upstanding corporate jobs and provided really well for their families were actually drug addicts. Mm-hmm. Where if the husband had been out at work in his previous life, he was able to hide his addiction from his wife. Mm-hmm. But actually he had to sort of pivot he still had his addiction, but he had, you know, he was, he had to get it met, but from a context of being in the home. And then, of course, the criminal world had to pivot to get him his drugs as well. Now, why on earth would someone find themselves a drug addict? Mm. If, if they were being true to themselves. Yeah. Like, maybe at, at the core of his being society had pushed him to live a life that he, he couldn't keep pace with or he w- it created such a sort of disconnection within himself that he found himself becoming a functioning drug addict mm-hmm. like what was he trying to cover up inside what was he trying to avoid inside of his in his inner man mm-hmm. you know because society says this way is success and actually for him it can't have been otherwise why would he have hell in his home yeah yeah like it is definitely an interesting thought like I guess like what I'm getting at is and I think you may agree or not is that um, like some uh, like when you have like your people who are actually confident who in who they are, um, you'll end actually like living a, like a, you're a little bit more of a fulfilled life. You often have like stronger community like you're and as if people are doing that as a group you often have stronger communities and there's more progress as a society together um and also even like having conversations like we're having here like i mean i feel like we mostly agree on a lot of things but there's probably a few things that we disagree on but like just having conversations with people you disagree and things like and respecting that rather than 
like what we've seen a lot of in the west lately is like just ostracizing and pushing them aside or like kind you're cutting off friendships because Mm. of their political views or whatever which is actually very harmful to society as a whole and i think what people don't realize is actually having differences and opinions and thoughts you'll and then actually being able to express yourself within those with people that disagree with you and like doing that in a respectful environment actually strengthens society as a whole and actually produces prosperity in, in, as well and i guess what i'm saying is, is you'll one of the things that i'm like i guess concerned about like in china is, is like they don't necessarily have that yes they're growing in prosperity but like as a society like a lot of the diversity and thought is not physically beaten out of them but almost like um and i know like there's there's also the parallel in the west like you can say like some of the like diversity and thought and opinions and stuff is like almost socialized out of some people but i don't know do you get what i mean i i do think it is socialized out out of people there are i mean universities like st andrews were in the news you know it's top academic institution where you're supposed to be learning to expand your thought and think for yourself but uh this year's entrance uh they had to take a quiz and they had to get the answers correct before they were allowed to progress into their actual classes and one of the questions was like, do you feel guilty for your personal privilege? And you had, they had to give the right answer. That's such a weird one. Yeah. But in in the social um, direction that we're going in society, actually it makes perfect sense mm. that, you know, I should feel guilty for my privilege. Mm. But if I didn't feel guilty for my privilege then I'm not allowed to progress. Mm. And that's in an academic institution. Yeah. The, the, in, in like the free thinking world. Yeah. And I'm not think- even asked, okay, um, why don't you feel guilty? It was just, that's the wrong answer. Take the test again. Mm. Do you need to say you feel guilty? Like, yeah, it's, it is very bizarre. Um, like there's definitely a culture war happening in the west um which seems to be like you have the left and the right and then like increasingly more like people i guess like us like are kind of like in the court in the middle and we're like actually like let's kind of like break this down like put your i guess proverbial or like i don't know if that's the right word like weapons down like and actually have conversation and respect one another and kind of actually see what the other side has to offer um but yeah like i mean if my my brain like this you're trying to like i've never actually even thought about like what i mean I've, i've kind of thought a little bit about what we're talking about like kind of like the whole almost like in china you have government censorship and in the west you almost have like self-censorship um and but then also like i guess like the 
I guess it's like it kind of goes down to the the root. Like one of the things that like I'm quite passionate about decentralization is like uh, I guess that's one of my political positions. I guess is that people the people best served by having like lo- your more local representation and your local legislation like um you're aimed specifically at lo- your localities rather than mm. on a national or continental scale right yeah. um but at the same time like i guess like there's this almost like this internal conflict inside me which like i'm like yes i want that but also i love to see like massive infrastructure projects which makes everyone's lives better like connects the world's more connects the world more and um and then you you kind of have to have like some sort of large central entity it doesn't have to be like that large to be honest to be fair um it just needs to be more effective which i think we can all agree the west some western government's expenditures like ridiculously like I, I still can't fathom how the government spent 39 million billion billion pounds it's probably like i don't know what 50 billion dollars for your american listeners or international listeners um on a track and trace system like that didn't really work that well i can't like fathom get my head around that like i've worked out like even if you have like a hundred thousand people employed on like let's say on a decent salary of like well, I know it doesn't take that much skill to phone people up and you'll check that they're doing the right thing and track and trace and all that. Um, so let's put them on a decent salary between twenty-five to 30000 for doing a, a very simple job. You still only come up short to like, I know, between 125 million to 100, I know, 75 million pounds like salary annually for 100 million people to employ to do that and i'm like that's a tiny fraction of 39 billion and i guess like your one of my biggest frustrations with a lot of western i guess government stuff like and i don't know i'm not super familiar with like how chinese expenditure how effective it is or not ineffective it is Uh, i can definitely imagine it's much more effective than the west um hence why they've got massive infrastructure projects like the high-speed rail that they're building out and um yeah like i think it's just the like you're back to the decentralization versus like kind of you need to have like kind of bigger uh, corporation sort of thing and i think i don't know it's 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 to me it's almost like you have like the more localities like kind of making their decisions and for what's relevant locally Mm. but you do need to have that kind of central government authority to make like big like you're i guess like you're the that connects the dots between all the like the more like localities like different ones and um your constituencies and things like that hence why like national government like you is looks after like infrastructure typically mm. um yes in the uk a lot of it's privatized but it's got a lot of government oversight um yeah the sort of quasi government where where it's the you know private sector yeah doing what a government would do and actually being paid by the government to do it yeah so it doesn't matter if it's private or not really 
Yeah, and I mean, arguably, the taxpayers uh, paid for it. <laughs> yeah, you 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 are right in that. Uh, well, yeah, whether it's through train tickets or like through government subsidies, <laughs> paying taxes. Um, like, I know just using that like national rail. Like, so if people aren't familiar, like the uh, railway system in the UK, like the infrastructure itself, the railways is owned by national rail which is essential uh or is it right national rail or national it rail yeah mm-hmm. which is uh essentially a private company but it's basically a private company employed by the government to look after it's the got one sole customer yeah which is the government um which is yeah anyway um and then you on on that you have a different operators in different regions which have contracts with national rail and the government essentially and then if they don't like if they're not up to scratch or like what recently happened was it like the, the one like hid like 125 million pounds or something like that i can't remember if you're I'm not sure if you're aware of it like one hit like, somehow like didn't report like 125 pounds worth of revenue to the government um and then they obviously basically got kicked off their, wow. their line um so I don't. You're, I don't know what would be perfect. I think you'll. It's important to get the right people in. Because essentially, I guess, like what's happened in the UK, is yes, you've had like kind of I guess like privatized companies competing for the contracts. So there is competition to actually like keep good standards. And personally, like I do remember like before like the old trains, like before like the newer trains started coming in because of, as a result of the privatizations, and they were like falling apart. Like my dad like often refers back to like when people criticize like the you know and say that the whole railways and trains in the uk should be nationalized my dad's often like well i'm not sure about you but like i don't really want to go back to really crappy trains and Mm. and all that and i'm like like probably that element of competition of contracts and stuff like has increased the quality of the things and potentially like made it slightly more expensive like that's the thing i often hear people talk about is how expensive train tickets and things are and i agree with that i'm actually one of those ones that often complains like how like a train ticket from like my local station into london is fairly sort of decent price and then like one from uh another station which i would often go into london from with my girlfriend is literally double the price and, and it's the same like well it takes an hour to get in from both of those and i'm like well, how comes that is and it's like kind of two different uh railway companies i guess that run them but yeah it's i think the key is to get the right people in the right positions and i personally don't really know and i guess like i'm on a journey of trying to figure out like how do we do that like how do we get the better people that are more effective at doing their job and get companies and organizations to run things and governments to run things more effectively um again like sorry i've been like ranting on like about a lot of uk stuff like the the nhs is a great example in the uk where everybody's like oh the government needs to spend more money on it i'm like we're already spending like literally hundreds of billions on this organization i'm like there's there must well there must be a way to do like run this service more effectively while at the same time you're actually increasing the quality of the service because like i often like to say the nhs is really good at like is very good at keeping you alive but they're actually terrible at taking care of your welfare like in terms of Mm. actually 
like more minor things like if you've been working a very physical job all your life like they, they'll offer you physio service, services and I know uh, NHS physio and like he's great um, that's maybe a poor example of um, like the service NHS offers I guess but like one of the areas where they're massively lacking on is um, looking after people's mental welfare and like helping and it's not necessarily I don't think it's the government's job to look after people's mental health i think they should provide an assistance to people who are struggling if that makes sense so that they can then i guess like it's it's like that thing i guess like i'm very much for so an american americans would say your mental health is i not Americans, sorry a republican or a right-wing american would say your mental health is your responsibility yeah you need, to, you know, if you've got struggles with it, you need to get help, right? Yeah. Um, but someone who's more left-wing would be like, no, it's not my responsibility. It's the government's responsibility. They need to get me healthy. Mm. See, I, that's a really cr- sorry. That's a horribly crass. No, no, uh, I, example, I, I, but there I, might be an element of truth in it. See, this is why I probably differ, like, from people who are typically a little bit more conservative or right-wing. Um, and I don't mean like extreme right wing I just mean people who lean right mm. is I think well it's in the government's interest if they want a, a thriving economy to look after people's mental health I think if the government see this is the thing is it's like this fine line I think that governments should they they like there should be the service should be like up to scratch where people who are struggling with their mental health can actually get help if you're going to provide a service provide a good service yeah exactly work out how to do it efficiently rather than you know someone realizing oh wow i've got a job for life in this great if i can just work my way into this place you can never get rid of me yeah and then i don't know what value i create but you know my pockets aligned yeah exactly that that thing as well as you'll obviously there's like more extreme cases of people with some really severe mental health issues which are going to need like lifetime support and be i don't really want to say um which will be more costly to the government a burden yeah yeah burden (laughs) the word you didn't want to say and but this is the thing though is i guess like you're, and this, you're coming back to the the Chinese like government conversation as well. Like you're in the West, we kind of like uh, seem to have this kind of like these safety nets, like more for people who kind of like fall through the cracks in society who might not be able to um, provide uh, or produce economic output um, because of their physical health, or in some cases, mental health now. Mm. Um, and in China like they're I don't know I don't really know like much about the Chinese system with that because well, it's a middle income country yeah so this is, oh, can oh, they afford it yeah um, and, you know, a lot of what we've done in the UK you know all the, the, the phenomenal amounts of government spending 
we're able to afford it because as a nation uk plc has a good credit rating mm. we'll see how long that lasts that that that's what yeah. the spending's based upon it's not based upon what's already in the bank and people's ability to cough up it's based upon a monster of an organization having a credit rating yeah that assumes tomorrow they'll be able to pay back Is so it- what happens if none of us have any children <laughs> 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 oh, that's a whole other conversation. I mean, China China is like one of the first nations which was might face population crash due to their one-child policy at one point. So they have like a ma- massive overpopulation of men versus females in their country, don't they? They do have a, a weird ratio. It says a lot of men that that's it. That's the end of their lineage, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, how embarrassing. Yeah, just to make it a little bit light heart- more lighthearted like, for a moment. <laughs> Um, it's probably necessary. Yeah, we have guys got really deep. <laughs> Sorry. No, I mean, I've, I've just been ranting for the last, I like, know, 20 minutes or so. I blame um, China <laughs> for his rant. China. China, oh, China, 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 China. Chinese virus. Oh, dear, you sound oh, like gosh, Donald no. Trump. Oh, gosh. I hope they don't blacklist me on, on YouTube for saying that. Like, I, I don't mean, like, to... You were joking. Yeah, I was joking. Yeah, um, yeah. Confess apologize yeah i apologize <laughs> youtube algorithm don't block me um too late it's too late now <laughs> um oh oh on the population thing is fun fact like about russia because they like they have the reverse of china they have too many women um uh, like I have this really weird memory of one of my cousins, like when I was younger, saying like, you, "It's weird, like how you can buy Russian brides online." And it now made sense later in life when it, you know, I found out. Well, not literally buy like a slave sort of thing, but like essentially Russian women are just really desperate to find men because um, their country ratio is almost like I think it's like two to one. It's like is it seventy percent to thirty percent at one point? I'm not sure if it's still like that, but that was wow. due to a lot of the wars Russia had fought, like a lot of their men went off and died in war. Um, and then also, because their drinking culture, a lot of men would drink lots of vodka and basically get drunk, fight and kill each other. Or just not make it home in the winter. It, or you, that's also yeah. very true. Um, so maybe China and Russia can make a deal or something there. <laughs> maybe. Maybe I mean, they are quite, yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, they are quite close allies geopolitically. So, well, relatively speaking. Yeah, but um, I mean, it's it, Russia does. I mean, Russia is another very weird example of like that, like kind of they long back for the old Soviet Union days, especially with Putin still there. And but I another fascinating know. person I'd love to interview someday. Yeah. <laughs> I I think yeah. Early on, you said oh, I'd like to interview Xi Jinping. I and I thought it would be such an honor. It would be like and. It's it's a weird one. I don't think I'd be asking him probing questions. I if I if I had the chance, I would. Ask him especially, about his family. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. No, I doubt he's interested in showing that. I I I I'd want to I'd want to try and seek understanding. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. Like I think, like and not I'd want to go in free from any of my biases, free from any of my judgments, and and be like, actually, can I be a safe place for you to to share honestly? Yeah. And I 100% agree. 
and it, it it's a really weird one because I feel like so many people would probably like kind of bat, like I know slate me for saying this but despite like essentially like potential human um catastrophes like that they might be involved with like and moral failings and things like that um you know, I think it would be very fascinating to interview people like Xi Jinping and um and Vladimir Putin um sorry I, I smile because um one of my neighbors like on our like the village that I live in currently uh on the Facebook group like I saw like saw someone commenting like and his name was Vladimir Putin I was like why is there someone in my village called Vladimir Putin on Facebook like and then I looked at the profile picture and it turned out to be my neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. And, but but you but essentially he you'll uh he uses that name on Facebook because he doesn't want to be found by um some of his uh business clients on social media. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. But I mean uh, yeah, before Facebook, people when when they applied for a job, they they gave references, mm. and the reference you know gave a reference as opposed to as to whether or not this person is would, would be a good fit mm. if they're employable. And now we've got Facebook, and you know employers just go on Facebook and be like, "Ha!" They look at you and they're like, "Oh, oh, you 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 had a bit of a loose tongue that day when you got <laughs> really peeved about something and wrote that political post." Yeah, yeah, we're not employing him. Yeah. It is something that I think about and like often my girlfriend, like, I'll be writing out something up like out of admittedly sometimes frustration and then my girlfriend would be like next to me and like, she's like, don't post it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's fair enough. Like I won't. I wanted to post last night mm-hmm. and then I censored myself <laughs> because, you know, yesterday uh, one of our, I'd say an amazing public servant was mm-hmm. was murdered murdered in a very sort of cold-blooded premeditated way by the sounds of things mm-hmm. um i wonder if you can hear the mooing in the background <laughs> that's not on this farm that's on the farm over those no. cows are loud mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah he was stabbed to death and then the man stabbed him and then just sort of stood there and just awaited his arrest and so he was peacefully arrested which is i mean they've said it's terror but normally you have to shoot a terrorist and yeah. then you actually never get to pick his brain and find out what it was all about but um i wonder like, i wanted sorry. to post i was pissed if i if i can say that on on your podcast I that's was, fine you can i was so mad because i felt like you know our country actually stands for something mm-hmm. and that was the biggest up yours to our country mm. yeah and so it's like, hey, if you have such an, you know, if if you if you, so the person he's a British national, so, mm-hmm. but but he's not originally from this country, so he's made a choice to be here, mm. and then done that. Yeah. I I, I honestly I, I'm going. Why are you even here? Mm-hmm. If you do that, to our nation. Yeah. Oh, I see. That, that, that was my yeah. initial response and I, I wanted to post it on Facebook last night and I, I decided to delete it but I've just said it on this podcast instead that's fine because like we can uh, give a little bit more, provide a little bit more context on here compared to social media posts can be very much like depending on what mood someone is when they read it yeah, I guess you can hear the tone of my voice which yeah. is quite angry <laughs> <laughs> 
I I mean, my first your uh, reaction to that was like, oh my gosh, like that's crazy. Like, I mean, we don't know his motivations yet, but it could be political. Who knows? Um, it could be religious. Could be religious. Um, but like, my first reaction to that was, I guess, like, well, I was on Twitter and I saw a few people posting about like. Well, I saw someone share his voting, the guy's voting record in Parliament. I'm like, dude, like, what? Or like, what? It's not even the time for that. Like, people it's are not about understanding. That. Like, trying to work it out. Yeah, I guess they're it could be by it and well, going. Oh, yeah. why could this have happened? Try and get some yeah. inner peace for themselves. I think this was a little bit more cynical. This post with uh, I can't remember what the. Um, I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was, it was more like I, I'm trying to remember the. Uh, they kind of like use one word to sum it up, like the thing, and um, it wasn't like a seeking understanding thing. It was more like, "Hey, here was his voting uh, record," uh, and yeah, I don't know. Maybe you were right, but I, I've like recalled that it, it did seem a little bit more cynical. I didn't see um, the post on yeah, Twitter, um, but. Yeah, so my reaction was like, this is gross that people are reacting this way. And like, this is the very polarized, like, the very thing that I want to fight against is polarization in, um, in the UK, in the US, wherever in the world. Like, I mean, would it be, wouldn't be, wouldn't it be amazing to bring like, even like, like the polarization between the US and China? Like, that would be a very interesting. I don't even, haven't even thought of that. Like, how could you. I mean, there isn't really much polarization in terms of like hatred, like between the two groups. I guess, like maybe some of the more extreme sides, like, and very much more so on the U.S. side than the Chinese side. To be fair, because I feel like the Chinese people, are, like in general, are very polite and um, good-willed people. Um, and when I say on the U.S. side, I'm talking more about the groups that are more extreme, right wing, but. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting thought. Um, <laughs> I, I guess it's about seeking understanding. Yeah, and that's that's literally what this podcast is probably all about, is just seeking understanding, seeking to understand people who have slightly different views from ourselves, seeking to understand different governments around the world, like seeking to understand like maybe like different problems in the world and how we can bring different solutions to that and also seeking to understand what the best solutions might be. Yeah. Um not to say that we will always like think of the best solutions, but we can always try, I guess. If that mm. makes sense. So, in the summer of 2007, I was on holiday in Beijing, and I happened to meet a senior government leader. I'm not going to mention his name. Of course. Um, he was a senior leader then, and he still is today. So, that's a very successful political career in China. Mm-hmm. And he's even more senior today. Yeah. And his daughter was maybe a year or two younger than myself. Mm-hmm. And the year later, there was going to be the Beijing Olympics, 2008 Olympics. Mm-hmm. And I was saying to him, are you excited? Are you going to, you know, be there at the opening ceremony and see this incredible spectacle? And, you know, are you going to take your family with you and, and stuff? Because I was genuinely interested, like when someone has that sort of access mm-hmm. how do they use it mm-hmm. you know because like growing up my dad took me to football 
and you know we were just regular ticket holders but you could see the corporate hospitality around the stadium and then the director's boxes and they had the best seats mm-hmm. you know and the best service and you know at half time they could you know i'd be cold mm-hmm. you know i had have my hat on and all my coat my, my what you're thinking right now like it's getting a bit chilly it's isn't getting it bit, we're getting into autumn now aren't yeah. we? And, um and we could go out the back and get a bovril which is like yay <laughs> explain to what people what a bovril is oh uh, bovril i think it's like beef stock with it's like a drink with beef stock basically isn't Fair. it yeah you know or well this but, is but, the funny but thing they is, would step uh, in inside behind glass doors and have a platter of snacks and you know drinks and mm. like they get wine and dined mm. and it just it looked appealing you know as a as a in that moment i was a have not you know and i was at this at this table with this chinese government leader asking him like are you gonna be there are you gonna enjoy the spectacle mm-hmm. like what about your daughter and he's like oh next summer i'm sending my daughter to london for the summer i want her as far away from beijing as possible so i'm gonna put her on a summer course in, in, in london and i was like really she's gonna miss it's gonna be amazing you know and he goes no we're really concerned that there's gonna be some serious terrorist attacks wow and i don't think beijing's gonna be safe fair enough yeah and, and i was like are you are you serious this is like the safest city i've ever been to in my life yeah you know women walk around the streets of beijing at night by themselves not concerned one bit that they might get mugged or raped yeah it is so safe yeah you know you're from south africa you'd never do that i've met yeah I, i've met yeah. i've met south africans in china and they were like wow this place is great you well, know i could go th- naked down the streets and, and <laughs> might not, get arrested you might get arrested but <laughs> but in south africa like you can't do that it is not safe in yeah. in in london in london it, mostly you can there are lots of places where as, it's as, not for, well as a south african i can say that london is vastly a bit like more safe than <laughs> yeah yeah so like china it's it's phenomenally safe mm. And he was, this senior politician was genuinely concerned that it wouldn't be safe. That's crazy. I don't know, like, I love, like, that more human aspect. Like, this is, this is the thing is, is, I would genuinely love to interview people from, I don't know, backgrounds like his. Um, and not like, I don't, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I'll, I'll just have to accept that people are going to, slaughter me for not asking the more difficult questions but i do want to get like through to like some of the more human sides of some of some people in these positions but yeah that's bizarre like how, how, did, what else did he say it was a long time ago all right <laughs> but um and that just really stood out to me like this sort of incredibly controlling system mm-hmm. was just so afraid that something awful catastrophic would happen that he didn't even want his own family in the city. That's crazy. You know, I actually, like, I, I was then in Beijing a year later. I just graduated. Mm. I went on holiday again, and I was in Beijing for the Olympics, and it was the safest place you could possibly be. Yeah. And and it was a fab. It was a fabulous experience. Mm. But thinking, gosh, like that man genuinely believed that there could be a terrorist attack, that it wouldn't be safe here. Yeah. It is weird. Like. Like. I guess, like, even... It's strange, like, even being in the UK, whenever you go to a city... I don't know, maybe this is me just being a bit extreme and having an overactive imagination. Like, I often, like, think 
to myself, like, especially when I'm suddenly like in a very crowded situation. I guess like that um, makes me uncomfortable in itself because I'm slightly more introverted. Um, I automatically think like, oh wow, like if I was a terrorist right now, like this would be a good like location. Um, and I'm like, no. Um, and I, my mind's like, works like, what would be the quickest way to escape from like that situation? Like, if something were to happen. Um, and it's weird because remember, I don't know if you remember the London Bridge attacks like a, a couple of years ago now. Yeah. Um, what was really bizarre is I met up with some American friends um, in London literally the day after that happened. And we went on the river taxi and we went under the London Bridge. And it was the most bizarre experience because like all the buses and cars that were on there were still parked in exactly the same positions than the day before. Oh, wow. And it was the most surreal experience going underneath it. And I'm like, wow, like, it's crazy. Um, and I guess like, I don't know if it's a South African part of me or just like part of my personality. Like, like I do probably, I'm more prone to the average person to look out for danger like, like that. But also I think it's probably an overactive imagination because I'm like, like what if this in this situation like i was in the movie and this happened and this happened and this <laughs> happened um i guess that's probably like more of an overactive imagination um which isn't a bad thing um maybe i'll make good movies one day <laughs> you need to watch free guy i've not heard of that oh it's in this it was in the cinema recently it might still be there. oh okay um but you've got the the npcs in it so it's like a, a game yeah and you know play like human beings will will go in as you know gamers and they take on their avatar mm-hmm. and they're engaging in this world but the world is mostly populated with non-player characters npcs mm-hmm. who for them they think it's like real life and all around them constantly there are explosions and cars flipping and police chases <laughs> and you know the computer like the, the players going in and you know mugging people because that's how they get their points and and all sorts but to the npc it's just like oh it's just happening again what's it called again free guy free guy okay i really enjoyed that, it that that sounds like really twice. fascinating <laughs> i yeah. loved it <laughs> um but like it is really sad like to see people like i know i guess like destroy people's lives like in ways like yes was it yesterday wasn't it yeah um with that politician the british politician as well and and by the sounds of it but like from people like across the political spectrum like he had like a lot of respect uh you know one of the things i've really well i can't really say i loved it like but it was refreshing to hear um was a lot of people across political you know you kind of got to see you it's almost like the the curtains were kind of like slightly open behind the scenes in politics in the uk and you kind of got to see a lot more of the human side of like oh they're not always shouting at each other and like you're calling each other like your i know names and all this like and behind the scenes there there is more cooperation than we think and it, it, it restores a little bit more hope in your humanity and politicians in general to hear when there is a little bit more cooperation behind the scenes yeah um and you know it's a shame because you know we lost like someone who genuinely cared like about a lot about his constituents like the people within the area he was responsible for representing and like it's something that i think since i've been i've I've been back in the uk just well yeah just over four years um like since i've moved back from america and um i think that um 
like I don't know there might be some personal moves happening in my life you know, at some point in the next few months like how exciting but, I know um and like I really want to like make an effort to try and almost try and plug into like more local politics and kind of because like I've I think one of the things I've realized during this pandemic is actually like your your MPs within the British uh, Parliament are actually more accessible than we think. Mm. Um, yes, it was very bizarre. I emailed my MP twice around about some concerns and lots of being able to see my girlfriend during lockdowns and things, and what rules, like trying to find like loopholes to being able to see her essentially, and um, you know, he replied twice to me. But by le- like letter, like I was really bizarre. It was like really bizarre li- living in the twenty first century, and I emailed him, like him, and obviously he hadn't written the whole thing. Like one of his aides or something someone yeah. had written it, but um, like it was signed by him though, um, and I'm just like, it was, it, it was great that I got responses out of him. Yes, it took like a few weeks for him to get back to me, um, but I was surpri- like surprised he could actually get responses. Um, plus, it, was, it just took me surprise, surprise, like, that it was just a letter, I guess. But, yeah, it was weird. Um, I don't know where we were going. We've gone on a tangent and... Talking about the accessibility of an MP. Yeah. And talking about the tragic news of yesterday, I guess. Um, and, yeah, it's just... It's a bit of a... Um... Yeah, I don't really have much more to say about like your that situation, other than that it was like really sad and tragic. Um, and then I guess part of us wants to understand like why this guy even like did that. Like, was it politically motivated or was it like just was well, it was 100% targeted. We know that. Like, <laughs> just, you don't yeah. just go out and kill. Like, that's not that. Yeah. Else, I guess what one of the things is they're like, what's the solution? How do we stop this happening again? And yeah, and I think the, ultimately they're saying, do we throw more money at security? But then it's interesting and how I, I, I'll initially think more money. <laughs> that's that's more of a reason not to bring children into the earth because <sighs> they'll have even more debt to pay. Yeah, like it's not the real solution. Security isn't the real solution. Yeah, it it's like having a society which again. Are we allowed to say, are we allowed to create mold society so that people actually value peace? People mm-hmm. actually see dignity in another human being that they wouldn't, like, they have such a strong value of dignity that they would never want to kill someone? Yeah. Regardless of who they were. Yeah, I think it's important. Like, I think, like, I guess, like, there needs to be more of an emphasis and on value of life. and And this is one of my concerns is how like the whole polarization of um people in general um in you know whether it's politics or other like issues and well <laughs> iphone versus samsung <laughs> um where like thankfully that's not as bad like the people aren't threatening to kill people over their opinions on that but that it is concerning the polarization of politics like how people have lost the ability to talk to people on the other side and lost the ability to humanize people on the other side and and i think the media 
like corporate media has been vastly to blame for a lot of it um because you're sadly like humans like us i guess like suckers for controversial news and controversy and that's why that makes them lots of me, money isn't it <laughs> Yeah, well, You're I hoping mean, I'd be far more controversial than I am, sure. No, to be honest, like, I feel like you've made me more controversial over China. <laughs> like, I guess, like, this, our conversation is kind of humanized, like, I guess the human element behind some of the Chinese things um, and government and CCP and all that. Um, still doesn't mean, like, I'm a huge fan of them. Um, but as before, even this... You're not Chinese, so you got the freedom not to be, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. It is a weird, like... Yeah. It's funny because, like... um, Like, my dad, like, has often um said, you know what we need here in the West? We just need a good, ta- good dictator for a bit. <laughs> and what he means is, like, genuinely someone who cares... A good one. A good one. Not like a brutal dictator. Yeah, not just, a brutal one. Yeah. Not not uh, Hitler or Stalin. Um, and and this is the thing is is like I'm willing to admit that like I'm for democracy wherever possible, but I'm also willing to admit that, and I'm not uh, like I'm saying this with probably a little bit of ignorance, but like the King and uh, Queen of Jordan, for example, are quite examples of actually where it's essentially a dictatorship is it's still a monarchy underneath mm. the king and queen um and also like arguably some of the emirates like the you know uae the united arab emirates and bahrain and things like how they've actually done really well for their people their people have been uplifted out of poverty and they've got quite a good standard of living um and in and there's like a lot more freedom of expression there still like you can well i don't know I'm saying this with like, with not necessarily knowing too much of the, I guess like actual reality of people living there. But I think I, I think it's fair to say they ha- they're more able to freely express themselves there than, for example, in China, in some of these places. Like especially Jordan. I think Jordan is a good good example. I have no clue. Yeah, I've been to the UAE. Yeah, and the locals were stinking rich. Yes. But the Filipinos and the Indians, Indians, yeah, they really weren't. It's very true as well. Um, it's, yeah, it's definitely, we live in an interesting world, like, and there's so many different factors. And I think one, we often, like, see, like, on the news, like, there's, like, two sides, like, to a debate sort of thing. Whereas, like, I think what's really obvious to me is there's so many different angles you can come at yield things and there's like always more sides and two sides to a story yeah um and you're not going to be able to actually do it justice unless you have long conversations about it and over time like kind of just be able to i guess summarize it because like some people would crucify us like over probably like one or two sentences we said like in our conversation today sure i'm in trouble like um but yeah like like it's you will i think the important message to get through is is you'll i i'll you'll is just to kind of like actually just listen for and seek understanding i guess and there's so many people i listen to who people like oh no they're really right wing and i'm like 
Jordan Peterson, for example. I don't know if you listened heard to him. Yeah, you've heard him. I'm like, have you listened to what he has to say? Yes, there's a few things he said that are controversial, and I don't necessarily agree with everything he says. But oh my goodness, like, he's like such an incredible. He's got such an incredible mind. There's so much to offer. He substantiates what he thinks really well. Yeah, he's very good at like, um, um, yeah, like you're expressing what he's saying, and. Um, and then he has a punchy statement which is just so controversial in today's world yeah um, exactly and w- one of the things I actually really like and what's refreshing about Jordan Pearson is, is he he hates he doesn't like the notion like and think it's very dangerous to start blaming them and they and speaking these kind of terms like often some of the conversations he's having is like you'll you cannot some people start blaming like the globalists or if you're more of a conspiracy theory theorist like the illuminati or whatever mm. and he's always very much like no let's it's let's get back to the human equation and actually like see like a lot a lot of the problems in society are all pretty much self-inflicted there wasn't like some mil- big plan to like cause this problem like it's just self-inflicted and like some yeah a lot the of the victim but. would definitely have a them and they yeah i agree but but somebody who's like gonna take responsibility for their life it's like who cares if there is an Illuminati? i don't care like and if they are like i'm like i want to win them over <laughs> like well at least like kind of reason with them and hopefully convince them there are better ways of doing stuff if if they have bad intentions oh i don't know who who knows but um yeah it's a weird one um i guess like you know, a lot of people also say like always call, you'll call me naive like and i've been called said i know some people um you know, that like i'm close with probably will say that i'm a bit naive in thinking that i can win people over by just like having conversations with them um or change their worldview and i'm like i don't I don't think I can change someone's worldview by just having a conversation, but like at the very least, like I hope them to influence them to see a little bit more humanity in who they consider to be their enemies. I guess, and I like that. Yeah. So I'm currently a, a gardener. Yeah. Um, different kind of gardening to what you're doing, but I think it's really cool that we have that connection as well. Yeah. Um, I also cut hedges, and I was talking to one of my clients who's a retired man who's unable to cut his own hedges anymore and that's 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 the audience i want to serve mm-hmm. um i want to meet ra- practical needs mm-hmm. and he said wait why are you doing this and i was like well I, he wanted to know who i was he's mm-hmm. like you know you're, you're mid-30s starting something brand new you've you been living degree, overseas you've got economics. a degree all this. You've, li- you've done these things you've lived in these countries you're overqualified to do what you're doing and i said kind of feel like i'm underqualified because i'm not good at it yet you know (laughs) (laughs) just starting out and and he goes but what why and why so cheap and i said i want to honor the elderly because i recognize that the roads which i drive on weren't built with my taxes Mm. you know yours i think that you've contributed a huge amount to society and society in general just goes oh you're old and past it now hurry up and die mm. you know well actually no you know pensioners have quite a good economic clout okay if they keep consuming we're all right okay you can live a bit longer you know 
yeah i sort of see how you economically fit it's all right and i'm just like no the man's humanity needs to be honored mm. some so, people are really lonely so i, I, I just don't, need I, people to talk to as well yeah yeah and they don't feel valued mm. and, and i was explaining my heart to honor to value to serve mm. and he goes i don't know anyone else who thinks like that and I, I don't think you're going to be able to convince others to think the way you think and i went it's not my aim but i do want to live out my values yeah and if it does great if it doesn't well at least i've made a difference in some people's lives yeah um yeah like it is definitely interesting like you as you said like i'm currently like working in gardener like and it's enjoyable but like preferably long term i'd love to be doing more of this kind of thing um and but one of the great things of the place that i'm working at the moment is is like off like there's a few people walk around this uh, listed garden which means basically means well it's over 200 300 years old or something like that uh which means it's protected and um we often get like some like more elderly people walking around um and they often stop and like chat for a while and like yes it's a distraction from work but i love it like it's just like so refreshing just like hearing their story but they're also hungry just to like have conversation some of them just a bit lonely um but yeah it's it's definitely and they've lived yeah i'm just checking how much time we've we've spent we've we've talked for well just under two hours We can wrap up, or I mean, we can talk for hours more. I can tell, I'm like, sure, we could, like, probably you, more for another time. Yeah, I think so. I think we've that's probably a good, like, high note to wrap up on. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you for coming on. Thank you so and much for having me. I'm sure there'll be a next time. Yeah, it was good. Cool. My first time recording a podcast. <laughs> so. You did really well. Like, thank I'm you. very excited for the future conversations. Yeah, cool. Cool. I don't know if you're going to be able to use this one. (laughs) Oh, 100%. Definitely. Uh, Hopefully my phone's been recording over there. It's been a bit of a uh, makeshift setup today, but it's actually worked out better than I expected. So that's good. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Until next time. Yeah. (laughs) 